0: Welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 867.
1: Well, I think that, you know, enjoy the cars, use them. They're experiential objects, and they can't be fully appreciated unless they're doing what they were designed to be doing. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So,
0: get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. I'm a revved up and so excited to introduce today's very special guest, Eric Peterson. Hey, Eric, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? I sure am. All right, ready to go. Eric Peterson is the manager at Leyden. Restorations in Bucks County, Pennsylvania. Founded by Chris Layden in 1973, they preserve and restore classic and vintage engines. Eric's passion for arts and crafts took him to the University of Wisconsin-Stout, where he earned a degree in industrial design. He worked as a designer where they manufactured class rings, exposing him to modern manufacturing technologies, including 3D design software and CNC programming and machine tools, plus injection molding and 3D modeling. Back in the day, he raced a Datsun 510 in the GT3 class and SCCA on tracks including Elkhart Lake, Brainerd, and Blackhawk Farms. And after meeting Chris Layden, Eric joined the company where he and his team combined their talents to create beautiful engines for race cars and street cars and passion for automobiles. So, Eric, I have told our listeners just a tiny bit about you. Would you take a brief moment share a little bit more about your career and your passion for automobiles?
1: Well, I guess I've always had the car bug since I was a pretty young kid and was always interested in tinkering and working on things. I always had my hands in in things that were mechanical and it it just grew and grew and that uh, I had an interest in um, design and thought, well, you know, I want to be a car designer. So. That's what uh, led me to make the decision to uh, study industrial design in college. It didn't quite get me to Detroit, but it certainly got me into industries that uh, that I found interesting and challenging and it gave me some skills that I think uh, apply to what I'm doing now, something that I sort of, you know, fell into. It, I had no path that brought me into this logically, but um it's one of those things, you just, you you know, something happened, I met someone, and it was like a whole new world opened up.
0: Well, you made a pretty big pivot there, because being an industrial designer, my son's an industrial designer, it's an awesome field, mm-hmm. and then uh, working in that field for a long, long time, and then you meet a guy, and all of a sudden you go, oh, I think I'm going to go do this. So that's a big shift in life and, and lifestyle. I know that you and your wife moved to a new part of the country to do this, so if you think back... What was the drive that convinced you that, okay, I'm going to make this radical turn here and go down this path for a career?
1: Uh, it was something that, as much as I liked what I had been doing, I had been doing it for a, a long time. And I will say this. I can't say that I was practicing industrial design after I left college. My role ended up being much more along the lines of an engineering-type capacity. Mm-hmm. You know, I was modeling parts. I was involved in the design of parts from a mechanical standpoint. And then also doing what needed to be done to make the tooling, to make the parts, uh, programming machine tools to, uh, to make tooling. But I have been doing that for, you know, almost 20 years and it was, it was very enjoyable. It was always challenging. Every day was a new, a new tool or a new, new part we were trying to develop. But, you know, it was, it was doing the same thing over and over and over. And it was sort of like I, I I was ready for a change. Yeah. And, uh, when I happened upon, this shop and just a chance meeting of, of Chris through a mutual friend, uh, I was like, whoa, I, c- I can't believe people get to do this for a living and get paid <laughs> yeah. for it. Yeah. Um, I didn't know much about vintage cars, you know, especially early vintage cars, pre-war stuff, which is really one of the focuses of our shop here. Mm-hmm. So I walked in and I was just blown away by what I saw. And, uh, that was sort of the, uh, impetus to saying, Hey, maybe I can do something different. My skills can apply to something else, something I'm really in love with.
0: Well, it's a very cool story. And as we continue on your journey, I want to start by asking you for a success quote or a mantra. It's a nice way to get the inspirational tires turning here on cars. Yeah. So Eric, take the wheel.
1: I have a couple that I've that I've thought of that, that I've gone back to throughout my life. And one came from a pretty dynamic company I worked for a number of years ago. And they always used to say, if you don't have a sense of urgency, you're just taking up space. <laughs> yes. And it sounds a little harsh, but it's really a, a good lesson. And it sort of applies to a small business too, because it is true. You've, you've got to make every moment count here because things can get away from you pretty quickly. Another one I sometimes you know, will in a in a happy way say to the guys in the shop keep moving forward which is from some movie my my daughter likes i can't remember the title of it but it was was a kid's film But you know whenever you encounter something challenging keep moving forward
0: you know those are two great quotes and tell you what came to mind was when i was in school studying business ray Kroc came to speak to one of my classes of course the gentleman Mm -hmm. uh, behind uh, the empire that became mcdonald's and One of the things he said was, if you can lean, you can clean. And, you know, what he meant was uh, (laughs) if, if you see people around your business just leaning around, not moving forward, one of your quotes there, and not moving forward and doing something, you know, if you can just stand around, there's always something that you can do. And I I think you're right. That's a great lesson for young people, especially starting off in any business career is keep moving forward. There's always something that can be Uh done no matter how trivial it may seem. Your boss will notice it and your clients will notice it too. So. Yeah, Yeah. for some reason that came to mind. Well, that's very cool. Well, let's go back in time here. You talked about being into cars pretty much your whole life. I'd love for you to share a story that instigated your passion for cars. Is there a pivotal moment as you remember it when you realized that you were a car guy?
1: Um, Something led up to the pivotal moment, but where I came from, there wasn't a lot of really interesting cars. It was Western Wisconsin, beautiful part of the country, great roads populated by very mundane cars. Um, what a shame. <laughs> yeah, it was. But uh, so I, I finally discovered once we got cable television sometime in the early 80s that there was this interesting racing you could watch. And I used to uh, start watching coverage of Formula One, World Sports Car Championship, and IMSA races. Mm-hmm. And you know, I was a relatively young kid. I don't even think I was driving age at that time, but I thought these things were really cool. And eventually, my father suggested we go over to this famous racetrack on the other side of the state and maybe we'll go see a race sometime and he brought me over to Elkhart Lake Road America for one of the IMSA endurance races in the mid-80s oh Um, that was a cool series too it's a great series and a great time in the series it was before it was really very dominated by the the Porsche 962s and so there was a lot of interesting cars running And it was all classes on track at the same time, GTU, GTO, Camel Lights, the GTP cars. And I remember getting to the track, and we sat down under a tree on the outside of Canada Corner. And uh, one of the GTP cars, it was actually a 962, came whooshing down toward Canada Corner, and he put on the brakes. The car blew out flame about 10 feet out the back and made (laughs) this whistling, popping sound. And I think my eyes just bugged out of my head. Yeah. It blew my mind because the speed that, that you're experiencing is just not something you're used to capturing. Your eyes just aren't calibrated to that. So it was just, I couldn't believe it. And, um, that hooked me right there. That I was guess.
0: It. Well, Elkhart Lake, I've had the privilege of driving that track. I even spent three days at a racing school there, and it's mm-hmm. just an awesome, awesome track. But that series of cars, I was living in Del Mar, California at the time that was running, and my wife's not a big car person, but I took her to those races, and she just went nuts. I mean, all of a sudden, she goes, I like this. If it's live, this mm-hmm. is really cool. And it was at the Del Mar Fairgrounds, very tight little track, uh, but those cars were just wicked. Uh, yeah, the 962s, yeah. also special, special
1: cars. Truly entertaining cars. Yeah. Truly entertaining cars yeah,
0: to s- watch. Saw a lot of those flames flying out the back of those cars that, yeah. that you saw. Yeah, that was cool. Well, let's take a look at some of the many roads you've driven down and talk about a big challenge or even a big failure that you faced along the way. And, of course, the most important part of these situations is what did they teach you? So take us to one of those times, kind of walk us through it, and tell us how that helped you gain even more momentum in your career and your life and your business.
1: Well, I I think I have to go back to something that we already covered a bit was that change in career, because it was a point in my life where I had doing what I'd been doing for long enough that I realized I just wasn't enjoying it as much as I should be. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, maybe some people can relate to this of you feel like if I'm going to do this, you know, any longer, you know, my soul is dying every single day, a little bit more is gone. And, you know, I wasn't sure what I was going to do. Uh, you know, my wife and I looked at buying some, a business someplace we wanted to live and and just starting over. And I had already done a stint working for Chris when this time occurred and the opportunity, it was almost just, I don't know, it was just meant to be, I guess, but Mm -hmm. the opportunity arose for me to return here in the role I'm in now. And it was just like, wow, this, I think this is meant to be. So it came to a happy ending. Um. So I guess it can't be considered a failure, but it was something that certainly – it was a time in my life where I wasn't sure what I was going to do.
0: Yeah. And
1: uh, I wasn't happy with what I was doing. So in the end, it it fortunately worked out very well for me.
0: Well, the takeaway I get from this is a a lot about why Cars Yeah! The Podcast was started, and that is – if you have something you love and you're passionate about, find a way to have that be part of your career and your life. And in your case, yes. yeah, a happen chance meeting with somebody and then a conversation and you never know where things will turn. But yeah, if you're in a career, if you're doing something in your life that is eating you away day by day, do everything you can to make a change, right? Because it's no way to go through life.
1: It's not a healthy way to go through life. Yeah. Absolutely.
0: Absolutely not. Well, kudos to you for seeing that opportunity, seizing a gear, downshifting and driving into a new corner. I love it. Eric, let's shift gears and go to the other end of the spectrum. I'd love for you to tell me about a career aha moment. I like to say it's when the headlights kind of illuminate a new way. We've kind of touched on that with your move to Leyden restorations. Tell us about your aha moment.
1: Well, that, that again, that sort of was it when I walked in the shop the first time. I mean, I'd I, uh, Chris, uh, needed a set of scales, a corn, like corner scales or something. And a friend of mine asked me to, to run them up. And I said, Well, come up to the shop. You know, I'll tell you where it is. And I, I drove up and uh, brought these scales in the shop. And it was like, What is this? <laughs> <laughs> I had no idea what they did or what was here or you know, the types of things I would see. I just knew it was a, a vintage car restoration shop. It could have been Buicks or Studebakers or something. But instead, I think at the time, if my memory serves me, there was a 500 TRC Ooh. in the shop. There was a Bugatti Type 51. There was an Amel car. There was just, you know, these these unbelievably exotic machines, things I didn't even know what they were. Yeah, wow. And... Seeing what was being done there, recognizing, you know, this, these guys are doing some very serious work. Yeah. The, all the machine tools and the capabilities coming from a, a chip making background, you know, machining background, and then coming in this shop and saying, wow, they're applying pretty modern capabilities to some, some vintage machines. It was pretty cool.
0: Oh, yeah. Well, again, a fortuitous meeting. I mean, the fact that somebody asked you to run a favor for them and then you ended up where you are today, you just never know where things will turn. So
1: That's right. You never know.
0: Very cool. Well, how about a proudest career moment? I would assume you've had many, but is there one that stands out for you that you could share? Uh, There's a few.
1: I think in my time here, projects that really I look back on fondly Were we did a couple of, uh, well, the, the, as far as I know, the only two running Blitz and Benz engines were done here a number of years ago. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, my small contribution to that project is something I'm proud of to say, you know, my hand handwork is is in those engines and they're still out there, you know, making thunderous noise. So that's pretty cool. Oh, yeah. A recent one for us in my time of running the shop is we we not long ago finished a full, complete restoration on a, a 1932 Bugatti Type 55, and that was a challenging project for many reasons because... A few of which being that it was a car that unfortunately had been broken up years ago and parts were scattered everywhere. Mm-hmm. And a lot of effort had gone into b- reuniting all the correct pieces, the chassis, the transmission, the, all the engine casting so that everything, the rear axle, so that everything was, was correct. And we got that job done that had been many, many years in, in process. And it turned out very nice. And it was something that we were glad to, to finish and and I'm I'm proud of those results I, I think that was a, a nice project
0: well as you and your team should be and what you guys are doing is, is restoring history works of art as far as I'm concerned I agree are these automobiles but restoring history and plus you're bringing huge smiles to your clients faces because I've had many restoration owners and, and shop people on this show I know a lot of people in the field and when you're in the shop if you're lucky enough to be there when a client comes in and looks at his vehicle whether it's done or partially done or things I mean that just lights people up you're bringing (laughs) smiles to everybody every day yeah i've I've gotten hugs when we've delivered cars that's a nice
1: feeling you know oh yeah
0: (laughs) oh yeah absolutely absolutely well let's talk about your first really special car is there a car that's in your past that had a lot of meaning for you that you could share
1: yes absolutely the first car i purchased with my own money was a 1971 datsun 240z Oh, cool. It was a cool car. And again, where I live, that was very unusual. There was one kid in my high school that always seemed to have an interesting car. And he'd go through them relatively quickly. You know, he'd have a new car every six, eight months. And they were usually British sports cars or or something like this, 240. And uh, I loved the car. I told him I love these cycle And I'm like, great. So against my parents,
0: better judgment.
1: <laughs> yeah, better judgment. I said I'm buying this car and I and I did and uh, they were very supportive though. They were very kind and supportive about it. But that car, that car meant a lot to me and it it brought me through that transitional point in your life where you're going from being a child to a grown-up and it it took me everywhere and on some great adventures with great people. I made friends with that car. I traveled all over the country with that car and uh I I love that car. Oh, yeah. And it was a great car. Those cars were great cars.
0: You know, what's fun is you're seeing them really kind of make a comeback finally now in the collector car mm-hmm. market because they're somewhat affordable compared to where many, many cars have gone. And, yeah, they bring back some great memories. I had a neighbor down the street that had one I used to detail it for her, and she'd let me drive it back up to my house. And I remember it was kind of a lime green color. It was a really wild, mm-hmm. bright yeah, some Great 70s colors, yes. Yeah, 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 very much so. Much like the uh, Porsche 911s. How about seller's remorse? Is there a car that you've let go that you really look back and say, what did I do that for? Well,
1: it's the same car. Because (laughs) for the the reasons you said, those cars are now coming into their own. Now, my car wasn't a great example. Again, it's an upper Midwest car, and it suffered from that cancer that all dachshunds of that era did rusted. I had to put floors in it. I had to put rockers on it. But- you know, and I did a lot to it. It was essentially like an uh, SCCA, you know, it was like an ITS car on the street. Mm-hmm. You know, we we cut the springs down. We ran uh, adjustable shocks on it. I put flat-top pistons in it and a half-inch lift cam and ran super traps right up the middle. So it was a pretty rip-snorting car, and I got <laughs> done with it. And it was a lot of fun. But it, it unfortunately met its end uh, when a Suburban went through a stop sign and T-boned me right in my driver's door. So. Ouch! Ouch! That was the death of my 240Z.
0: Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Well, thankfully you're okay, because uh, yeah, a big car like that hitting a small car like a Datsun could have been catastrophic.
1: I still remember what it looks like to see a suburban grill. Oh, know, like the headlights are slightly above your head. Oh yeah, yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah. That's a scary. That's a scary thing. I hit somebody almost hit me a few weeks ago. Ran right through a stop sign, and all I saw was his. It was a big escalade. All I saw was this grill coming at me, and I just thought, this is yep. it. Thankfully, whoever was driving that, some lady who had very big eyes at the end of that, uh, got on those brakes really hard and uh, didn't take out my my lovely car. But that's a scary thing when you're in a small car and a big one comes at you. Well, let's talk about something fun. I would love for you to tell our listeners a lot more about Laden Restorations, all the different services that you guys provide there, all of the ways that you can make people really happy when it comes to old, classic, and vintage cars.
1: Well, we're we're an unusual restoration shop in that we're essentially a mechanical restoration shop. So what we do, we handle all the oily bits that a lot of the other paint and bodywork based restorers might not be able to deal with. Mm-hmm. As such, we're essentially a machine shop. We have pretty comprehensive capabilities in here to do most machining operations in house, other than some. Major things like we don't cam grind here. We do not grind crankshafts here. Those things we work with, you know, trusted outside vendors. But a lot of stuff we do here, we can actually produce, reproduce some parts in house. We can deal with some heat treating in house, all different types of casting repair. But, uh, yeah, we, we, we kind of handle anything that, uh, that makes a cart go. Mm-hmm. And we do. Service on cars as well. So we'll get a lot of, you know, unusual or high, high value cars in here that need to be attended to and made to work properly. So uh-huh. our goal is anything that comes in here has to work properly. And we also focus quite a bit on making things correct for what it is, meaning correct hardware, correct finishes, correct hoses, anything that uh, we want something to leave here and be Concord correct as well and functional.
0: Well, and your shop is looks a little bit like it's a little bit kind of out in the country in a beautiful part of the United States.
1: Yeah, it is. It's uh, we're located on a, a farm that was actually pre-Revolutionary War. I think it's an original Penn's grant, which means the deed to this property goes back to William Penn. And it's it's been whittled down now with development in the area, but we still we still have a bunch of acreage around us, and it's uh, pretty quiet, beautiful countryside. This this. Uh, Machine shops stuck in uh, a building that's <laughs> grown through the years as we've grown. In fact, we just added on a, another addition uh, about a year and a half ago. So ah. uh, we've got room for more cars now.
0: Well, congratulations. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. Sounds fantastic. Well, Eric, here's a very introspective question for you. If Eric was a car, what kind of vehicle would he be and why? If I were being
1: honest with you, that's, what kind of a that's car all I ask. I am on- <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know this may not sound sexy but i i'm i'm a honda accord i'm just you know basic transportation uh-huh. doesn't do anything fantastic but uh, i'm reliable <laughs> Well, I guess that would be me.
0: (laughs) Well, I appreciate the honest answer. Those are the best ones. Yeah, just steadfast, always starts, always runs, always works, and we'll get you where you need to go. So that's exactly what a business needs, that's for sure, Mm -hmm. and customers need from a business. So fantastic. Well, Eric, up next is the last lap. But before you and I put the pedal to the metal, let's say thank you to today's Cars Yeah sponsors. Hey, Cars Yeah, I'm a huge fan of Covercraft. I've protected my vehicles with their products for decades. Their seat gloves are semi-custom fit for cars and trucks, and their seat savers, a favorite of mine, are custom tailored to fit your seats like a glove. Work truck seat covers are tough, durable, denim-weight fabric. It's like putting a pair of rugged jeans on your truck's seats. Want to stay warm? Covercraft also offers seat heaters. Covercraft is the right choice. Learn more today at Covercraft.com and tell them Mark, a Cars Yeah sent you. That's Covercraft.com. Or you can view his website at www.chrisvkimble.com. Make sure your investments are running on all eight cylinders, or 12, or 16. Securities through Money Concepts Capital Corp. Member Finra Sipic. All right, Eric, we are back and we're entering the last lap. You've done some racing. You know what that means. The white flag's out. Time to put our foot into it. And I'm going to fire off a series of questions and ask you to give our listeners some very quick blips of the throttle answers, so here we go. Okay, let it rip. What's the best automotive advice you've ever received? Hmm.
1: Um. Put a kid in the car.
0: <laughs> put. a, You know, I love that one. So you're talking about if uh, if you're somewhere, bring a kid over, tell them about the car, put them in the seat, maybe
1: give them a ride. Uh, and I'm I'm answering that from a recce. Perspective of someone that is in the vintage car hobby. Um, it's about keeping it going. So right now, for me, it's put a kid in a car, get the, the next generation excited about these things, because um, you know we we want this to continue. I don't want these amazing mechanical creations to be you know relegated to museums and or have people think of transportation as merely an appliance. You know, something that gets me from here to there. So I think that's right now that that's the best advice I've received. And I I hear that from people a lot. Get a kid in the car.
0: I do, too. And, you know, if you take your car and you share your car at shows or races or your vintage race, if there's a little kid standing there, hey, you want to sit in my car? You could change a life. Most definitely. No, absolutely. Absolutely. That's a great one. Now, would you share a personal habit that you believe has helped contribute to your successes over the years?
1: Be on time. <laughs> <laughs> it's so simple, isn't it? <laughs> for me, I really believe it. Yeah, yeah. I think that's that's uh, again. It it's a, it shows that you're a reliable person and that yeah. you take people's time seriously and you respect them. I
0: think that's the key. There is respect. I've employed lots and lots of people over the years, and I, nothing would frustrate me more when when people associates could not get to work on time. And I always used to be it akin to being disrespectful for, to mm-hmm. your coworkers, to your boss, to your customers. Yeah, just show up. and Be on time. Be a little early. Actually, is even better. So yeah. yeah. Now, do you have a resource that you'd like to share with our listeners? You think, or you find, really great? For me,
1: I think um, the most important resource has been a network of friends and peers that I've built through the years. I share information with others freely, as and help whoever I can, however I can. You know, when I've needed that, people have been there for me, so they reciprocate. So I think a network of of peers and friends is is one of the really important resources in this business.
0: Yes, I truly believe we are the culmination of the people we surround ourselves with. So uh, that old adage that mom used to say, hang out with good people, not the bad ones, makes uh, true in all parts of life. If you can have a drink with anyone in the automotive industry, living or deceased, who would that person be? Oh man,
1: that's a tough one. I know, there's so many. There is someone that I think would be interesting because outside of the automotive aspect we could talk about other things would be harry miller oh yeah yes have you guys worked on miller race cars uh yeah back in the day it, it recently not so much but back in the day a lot of significant miller race cars came through the shop and and engines for millers came through the shop so the shop has a history of miller work Uh we don't see it so much anymore because others have that really specialize in it sort of have taken over that market but mm-hmm. uh yeah a lot, of, a lot of cool millers come through here but um I think that would be, you know, he was a, an automotive genius very early on, did some amazing work. I love his design ethic, and mm. and uh, he was born in the town that I went to college in, so oh, that's maybe cool. we could talk about Menominee.
0: Yeah, yeah. I had the privilege of spending a day with three Miller race cars, photographing them, and the thing I walked away with, and I didn't know that much about him or those cars until that day, and the owner was kind enough to spend time with me, simplicity is what comes to mind when it comes to his cars, his design, his engines. Mm-hmm. Clean simplicity. Yep. And this may be a, a stretch, but a Mies van der Rohe less is more concept of his cars. And uh yeah, that would be very, very
1: cool. Beautiful, beautiful cars.
0: Yes. How about a book? Is there a book you've read that you think our listeners would enjoy reading as well?
1: Yeah. Recently, I finished a book called The Arsenal of Democracy by uh, an author, A.J. Baim. Yes. Um, I really enjoyed that. And it it was... Something I I had known about, you know, this uh, transitioning from the production of automobiles to weaponry during World War II. But the way he presented it through the relationship of Henry Ford and his son Edsel is really interesting. I I didn't know a lot of that behind the scenes, what was going on in that family. So it was a very interesting book.
0: AJ was a guest here on Karja yeah a couple months back, and his book, Go Like Hell, is the most recommended book here of all my past 866 guests before you. But that Arsenal of Democracy is another book that's been recommended by many people. And you're right, when I read that book, I had no idea the intricacies and the involvement of Henry Ford and his son and and what they mm-hmm. had to do in this country to produce the weaponry that was needed for World War II. It's a fascinating read. And A.J. is a fascinating guy. For you listeners out there that missed that show, go back to the Karja website and type in A.J. Baime, B-A-I-M-E, into that great book recommendation. And I'll remind you that all these great resources Eric has shared are located on his show notes page on the Karja website. Just go to Karsya.com, type in Eric with a C, Peterson. And you'll find that page with links, including the link to this wonderful book. All right. We are up to the fun part here, as if it hasn't been fun already, <laughs> Eric. And this last question can be a bit of a doozy. Today, I'm going to buy you any cool collector car in the world. But you got to keep it. You got to drive it. You got to enjoy it. No garage queens. Take it out. Maybe it's a race car, a street car, a touring car. What would that car be? And more importantly, why?
1: Oh, this is easy. This is really uh, easy. Okay. Uh, Nineteen sixty Ferrari two fifty G T uh, short wheelbase barolinetta competizione. <laughs> you knew exactly the answer to that, didn't you? Uh that's always been my answer. Uh-huh. I, I love that car. And I think it's a car that you can do almost anything with. You could tour with it, you could track it if you wanted and it looks darn good doing it either way.
0: Yeah, so. uh, yeah. I think that's why that car has been chosen by a few folks here. Mm-hmm. They are special. I love the design of that car. I was very fortunate to drive one years back when I was in Florida at the Cavalino event. Uh, I actually mm-hmm. drove two the same day, which is an amazing miracle of meeting the right people yeah. and, and talking to people, and some guys tossing me their keys. But, uh, okay, very, very nice choice, very expensive choice, but that's okay. Well, you're covering it, so. I know, it's know, no big deal. deal exactly. You guys can keep it running <laughs> if you over rev that engine, so.
1: Yeah, yeah, we could, we could make some changes.
0: You can make yeah. some changes, whatever you need to do. What color would you like your SWB to be?
1: Oh, now that I hadn't thought about. Oh, okay, I'm gonna push you a little bit today. I think, uh, oh, wow. You know, you, you, normally you can't pick something like that. You kind of get what you get. Well, um,
0: yeah. But today is fantasy day, so you can have whatever you want.
1: Okay. Well, I, I don't know the fancy Italian word for it, but it would be like the dark blue. I think I would like to oh. the dark blue.
0: You know, I'll tell you something. Uh, Steve Cottrell, who works at GTO and mm-hmm. some of the other folks are at GTO, including the owner, have been guests here. And they posted some pictures last year of a black one which kind of mm-hmm. has the same look as a dark, dark, dark blue. And I wouldn't have thought that car would look so good in that color, but it looked awesome, it was spectacular in a dark color like that. I think so. you could
1: paint it pink and it would look <laughs> awesome. <though. laughs>
0: well, maybe, but uh you're <laughs> right. I, I'd still get in it and drive it, that's for sure. But, uh oh, that would be nice. Oh, what fun, what fun. Well, Eric, you've taken me on a great ride today. I knew you would, and I really enjoyed getting to know you better. I want to thank you for sharing your automotive journey with the Cars Yeah listeners and me. Would you offer us one parting piece of wisdom or guidance before you put in your foot into it and race off down that country road in that Ferrari 250 SWB?
1: Well, I think that, you know, enjoy the cars, use them. Uh, They're experiential objects and they can't be fully appreciated unless they're doing what they were designed to be doing.
0: There you go. Great words of wisdom for a guy who lives his life around some pretty fantastic machinery and knows how to make it go. What's the best way for our listeners to learn more about you and Leighton? You can find us on the
1: Internet. Our website is ladenrestorations.com, one word. And uh, we also have a, a Facebook page. Uh, it's uh, Facebook slash ladenrestorations, either place.
0: And laden is L-E-Y-D-O-N. Correct. Restorations. Check out the website. If you need a link, it'll be on Eric Shona's page here at karja yeah, on the website. Eric, thanks for being so generous today with your time and expertise and for sharing your experiences with me and the Cars yeah, listeners. Until you and I talk again, I'll see you down the road. Thank you, Mark. Thank you. What's every automotive enthusiast dream to design and build that perfect garage? My friends at Metron Garage are a group of creative talents who have combined their passion for cars with their careers in architecture. Their service includes unique garage design and state-of-the-art fabrication. They will create the coolest custom garage for you in your vehicles. Metron Garage's system features fully engineered, commercial-grade material and structural framing that's stronger than traditional construction. Their designs are pre-engineered to meet your building codes for fast, bolt-together construction. With over 25 years of experience, you'll see a 3D rendering to visualize your custom garage, and the final structure will fulfill all your storage needs. Contact Metron Garage today and begin realizing your dream garage, go to metrongarage.com. That's metrongarage.com. Garage is built for discerning enthusiasts. Where it's not just a garage, it's where your dream garage comes true.